This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Praise the Lord. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, World Ministries International. My friend, would you like to open us up in prayer? The mic is yours. Father God, we thank you, dear God, for this day. We thank you. For wherever people are listening or watching around the world, that tonight be very informative, dear God, because there's so much deception out there. Deception all over the church and every branch of the church, every sect of the church, every denomination. Uh, there is deception, as well as different forms of cults pretending they're Christian. So set us free, dear God. Let us have keen awareness of what's going on, and those, dear God, that might be involved in these cults, set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, tonight I'm going to be speaking on the lies of Mormonism. The lies of Mormonism. Wherever you're watching or listening throughout the United States and around the world, welcome to the Warning Television Program, Radio, Shortwave, Social Media, we're on with Shannon Davis, Omega Man Radio. And uh, tell you, Mormonism has brought a lot of problems to a lot of people. They make good neighbors, but it's just a cult. I'm going to get into the real heart of Mormonism, the core of Mormon doctrine. Mormonism teaches that trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human like us. They say that long ago on one of these planets, to an unidentified god and one of his goddess wives, a spirit child named Elohim was conceived. This spirit child was later born to human parents who gave him a physical body. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you would like to really learn and be trained in the knowledge of the Word of God, if you're serious about serving God, if you're serious about being a minister of God, we do have a Bible school, World Ministries a School of Theology, and we use courses from Christian Life Educators Network. We have over 300 courses, 120 professors, you can even take it online. You can call our office, 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, and register. 
When you get a hold of uh, our office at World Ministries, you'll be talking to Dr. E.J. Buckhart. This court course is Gatebreakers. The professor is Stan Fleming. I'm using his textbook as well as uh, references from the Bible. So go to your Bible. I'm using a King James. I'm going to continue. Through obedience to Mormon teaching, death and resurrection, he proved himself worthy and was elevated to godhood as his father before him. Mormons believe that Elohim is their heavenly father and that he lives with his many wives on a planet near a mysterious star called Kolob. Here the God of Mormonism and his wives through endless celestial sex produce billions of spirit children. Like I said, I'm getting into the core doctrines of the Mormon beliefs. To decide their destiny, the head of the Mormon gods called a great council meeting, both of Elohim's eldest sons who were there, Lucifer and brother Jesus. A plan was presented to build planet Earth, where the spirit children would be sent to take on mortal bodies and learn good from evil. Lucifer stood and made his bid to become savior of this new world. Wanting the glory for himself, he planned to force everyone to become gods. Opposing the idea, the Mormon Jesus suggested giving man his freedom of choice as on other planets. The vote that followed approved the proposal of the Mormon Jesus, who would become savior of the planet Earth. Enraged, Lucifer cunningly convinced one-third of the spirits destined for earth to fight and revolt. Thus, Lucifer became the devil and his followers the demons. Sent to this world in spirit form, they would forever be denied bodies of flesh and bone. I hope you're following this. Quite a bit different than the Bible. Those who remained neutral in the battle were cursed to be born with black skin. This is the Mormon explanation for the Negro race. The spirits that fought most valiantly against Lucifer would be born into the Mormon families on planet Earth. These would be the lighter-skinned people, or white and delightsome, as the Book of Mormon described them. Early Mormon prophets taught that Elohim and one of his goddess wives came to Earth as Adam and Eve to start the human race. Thousands of years later, Elohim, in human form, once again journeyed to Earth from the star base Kolob, K-O-L-O-B, this time to have physical relations with the Virgin Mary in order to provide Jesus with a physical body. Mormon apostle Orson Hyde taught that after Jesus grew to manhood, he took at least three wives, Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. Through these wives, the Mormon Jesus supposedly fathered a number of children before he became and was crucified. Mormon founder Joseph Smith is supposedly one of his descendants. According to the Book of Mormon, after his resurrection, Jesus came to the Americas to preach to the Indians. 
who the Mormons believe are really Israelites. Thus, the Jesus of Mormonism established the church in the Americas as he had in Palestine. By the year 421 AD, the dark-skinned Israelites, known as Lamanites, had destroyed all the white-skinned Nephites in a number of great battles. The Nephites' records were supposedly written on golden plates, buried in the hill, Kamara by Moroni, the last living Nephite. About 1,400 years later, a young treasure seeker named Joseph Smith, who was known for his tall tales, claimed to have recovered the same gold plates near his home in upstate New York. He is now honored by the Mormons as a prophet because he claimed to have had visions from the spirit world in which he commanded to organize the Mormon church because all Christian creeds were in abomination. It was Joseph Smith who originated most of these peculiar doctrines which millions today believe to be true. By maintaining a rigid code of financial and moral requirements and through performing secret rituals, for themselves and the dead, the Latter-day Saints hope to prove their worthiness and thus become gods. The Mormons teach that everyone must stand at the final judgment before Joseph Smith, the Mormon Jesus, and Elohim. Let's look at some false doctrines of Mormonism. What does the Bible teach about the Mormon doctrine that God the Father has a body of flesh and bone. The Bible teaches that God the Father is a spirit. John 4, 23 through 24. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit. That's John 4, 23 through 24. A spirit. Remember, we just read some of the core doctrine of the Mormon church. Totally different than the Bible. The Bible teaches that spirit does not have flesh and bone. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see, I have. Luke 24, 39. The Bible teaches that the Father is not flesh and blood. Matthew 16, 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What does the Bible teach about the Mormon doctrine a polytheism and male Mormons striving to become God. Polytheism is the belief in the existence of more than one God. The Bible teaches there is only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6, 4. There is one Lord, one God, and Father of all. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Other scriptures, Isaiah 45, 5 and 6, 14, 21 through 22, and 
Isaiah 46, 9. The Bible teaches that there has been and only ever will be one God. You are my witness, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know me, believe me, and remain steadfast to me, and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I am, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Isaiah 43, 10 through 11. In other words, Joseph Smith can't save you. The Bible teaches that the deception of becoming a god was part of Satan's plot. Genesis 3, 4 through 5. Then the serpent sent to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 4 through 5. How do the Mormons represent Jesus, and how does the Bible refute them? They teach that there was a time when the spirit of Jesus Christ did not exist. After a spirit was begotten by God the Father and Mother in Heaven, and raised to maturity in a premortal state, he obtained a body and was resurrected, just as his father before him. But the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ remains the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 The Mormons teach that Jesus is one, but one God and Pathian of gods. He's just one of many gods. However, the Bible teaches that there is only one God. And he has revealed himself in the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father and only true God. Not a myriad of gods, not many gods, not millions of gods. Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, and he will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Isaiah 9, 6. 1 John 5.20, we all know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Mormonism teaches that his spirit brother is Satan. However, the Bible does not teach this. It teaches rather that Jesus was the only Son of God. In other words, Jesus was God. He wasn't an angel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, John 3.16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten Son. The Mormons teach that he was born through the physical act of sex between the Mor Mormon father God and Mary. However, this is contrary to the scriptures that teach Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. 
the Spirit of God. Luke one thirty five. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.18. Then the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you as a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing which will be born of you will be called the Son of God. Luke 1.35. Some of the early leaders of the Mormon church taught that blood atonement was required by sinners for certain sins. This is not currently taught in Mormonism. It is important for Christians to understand the confusion that has existed in the history of the Mormon doctrine over the issue of blood. Author James Spencer, in his book, Have You Witnessed to a Mormon Lately?, shows us that Smith and Young taught that the blood of Jesus was not sufficient for some sins. Quote, blood atonement in Mormon doctrine says it is sometimes necessary to shed a man's blood to save his soul. The idea is that he can commit sins that are so grievous that he can only go to heaven if his own blood is shed. And that is if he is killed. This doctrine was birthed in the vision of Joseph Smith's in which he said he, Peter, had killed Judas, that he hung him for betraying Christ. Brigham Young, as usual, carried the doctrine to its logical ultimate conclusion. He said if he found a brother in bed with his wife, he would put a, dra a javelin through both of them and be justified, and they would atone for their sins and be received into the kingdom of God. I would do it with clean hands. There is not a man or woman who violates the covenants made with their God that will not be required to pay the debt. The blood of Christ will never wipe that out. Your own blood must atone for it. So widespread was the knowledge of the doctrine of blood atonement that the Utah Capital Punishment Law was written to include a form of death that would shed blood. Even to this day, prior to 1990, all the participants in the Mormon temple ceremonies place their right thumbs under their left ears and draw the thumb quickly across the throat to the right ear to symbolize the penalty for revealing the temple ceremonies. Again, we're talking about the differences between the Mormon beliefs, their doctrine, and Christianity. 1 John 1, 7 and 9. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. The Bible is clear that David did not have to shed his own blood, be executed. 
King David. Jesus forgave. God forgave. Jesus' blood was enough to give him eternal life. King David was never executed. Today, the Mormon church does not teach the taking of life to atone for one's sins, nor do they make participate, participants in temple rituals do blood oaths. However, they do teach that some sins are not forgivable, either in this world or the next. An example of this would be the Doctrine and Covenants, section 42, 18 through 19 and 79, in regard to killing. In their system, one who kills cannot be for cannot find forgiveness in God either now or in the future. That would keep a lot of saints out of heaven. I'm talking about saints in the Bible. The whole issue shows that the Mormons have still not worked out the concept of how complete and sufficient the shed blood of Jesus Christ is for every single sin. Because Jesus is God, not the brother of Lucifer. Notice that you never see a cross on Mormon churches and that they don't use grape juice or wine for a communion element to represent the blood of Christ. Rather, they use water, which takes the emphasis off the blood of Christ. How do the Mormons represent salvation and how does the Bible refute them? Mormon salvation, faith, baptism, plus obedience to the laws and ordinances, plus membership in the Mormon church. Did you get it? Mormon salvation equals faith, plus baptism, plus obedience to the laws and ordinances, plus membership in the Mormon church. That's salvation. If you take that by face value, we don't have salvation. Only a Mormon. But the Bible teaches that salvation is strictly a faith issue with God because we can't become good enough to earn it. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the laws, but by the faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified in faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Again, Galatians 2.16. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Other scriptures, John 6, 28 through 29. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Mormons keep genealogies to proxy salvation and baptism for the dead. But the Bible tells us that taking Note of endless genealogies is unproductive. 1 Timothy 1, 3-4. And I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by Faith. Timothy, or I should say Titus 3.9 says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are un 
profitable and useless. In order to obtain the highest exaltation in the celestial kingdom and become gods, the Mor Mormonism teaches that couples must be married in the temple. The ceremony involves them being sealed for time and eternity by taking vows and secret ritualistic ceremonies. I could tell you stories of false prophets who think they can seal. It's amazing how naive people who have been some, sitting under some of the wisest men, still they believe in this stupidity. According to Ed Decker and David Hunt, in the new edition of their book, The Godmakers, this is causing thousands of divorces today. Why? Because Mormon authorities influence those married to non-married Mormons that they must convince them to get divorced and marry a Mormon who is willing to submit to the temple ceremony. So if you're married to a Mormon and you're a Christian and that Mormon is serious, they will divorce you. Because they must be married in the Mormon temple. For eternity. Deckert Hunt says, the amazing thing is that there's not one verse in either the Bible or the Book of Mormon that teaches celestial marriage for eternity involving secret or even sacred rituals in a temple, much less that says that it is essential for eternal life. What's the sad truth about Mormonism? 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. They have turned away to fables. They have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, Romans 1, 22 through 25. They have been working hard, but not for God's righteousness, Romans 10, 1 through 3. Now that's some of the hardcore doctrines that I wanted to make sure we got in. Let's look a little bit at the history. I think the biggest hurdle for the evangelical church is to get past the idea that Mormons are Protestants, they're not. Who simply have some doctrinal problems, nothing can be further from the truth. We don't agree on salvation. We don't agree on God. Mormonism is a religious system that stands in direct opposition to basic teachings of the Bible. It's a pure cult. The first step to helping Mormons is to come to terms with the fact that Mormonism is a system hatched in hell. Birth in the occult of Joseph Smith. James Spencer, former Mormon elder, said that. Joseph Smith Jr. founded the church in 1830, the same year that Smith published the Book of Mormon, which he claims he translated from golden plates. The plates had been supposedly hidden from mankind for about 1,400 years. Smith said he had countered, encountered a, a pillar of light. Well, the Bible says that's the devil. In this pillar, he saw God the Father and Jesus Christ. Later, an angel named Morani revealed to him the location of the hidden plates. Claims to have had several visitations from the angel and have spent a couple of years translating the plates. Then the plates were supposedly taken to heaven by the angel. Well, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, For Satan himself 
is transformed into an angel of light. Isaiah 14, 12, O Lucifer, son of the morning star. Galatians 1, 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. This says that they're condemned. We could go into the vast numbers of Mormons around the world. It's large. It's many. They're growing. What's the official name of the Mormon church? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Their main headquarters are in Salt Lake City, Utah. As of this book's writing, it was the leader, current leader was Gordon Hinckley. What is the reorganized church? The reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was established in 1860 as the result of the split in the main church after the death of Joseph Smith, Jr. The reorganized Missouri church took as their leader one of Smith's sons, Joseph Smith III, whereas the more well-known church follows Brigham Young to Utah. The reorganized church has its headquarters in Independence, Missouri, where they believe that the second coming of Christ will happen. They reject the name Mormon, but have many of the cult's views of the main group. Their major thorn to the Mormon church, since all of the court decisions have established their claim that they are the main church, but the one in Utah is the schismatic. The reorganized saints shun any identification with the U Utah Mormons, regarding Young as a false teacher. Well, all of Christianity would regard Young as a false teacher. The reorganized church also rejects the controversial teachings of Joseph Smith, plural mar marriage, temple rights, and the plurality of gods. Polygamy. Yeah. There's Mormons still in Utah that have many wives. Now, Mormons can make, and they do make, usually good neighbors. Many times they're conservative, family-oriented, patriotic people who have concern for others. That's not the issue. They're not a Muslim that will kill you if their leader demands it. They can make good neighbors. But the point is, they are not another form of Christianity. They're not Protestant. According to their own doctrines, they're not saved. That's the point. We should have concern for them. That's why we're doing this program. I bet you there's so many naive, ignorant, shall I say stupid Christians that don't know this. So they don't care. There's no concern. Did you hear my core doctrines? They need to be saved. That's if you're alive, if you care about a person's soul. If you don't care, maybe you're a religious person like they are. Something to evaluate our life, huh? Do we care? I'm not judging you, but God sure is. We're supposed to care about people's soul. That's why I'm doing this program. I happen to care. I'm going to get some people mad at me. 
I'd rather you get mad at me than you go to hell. Many Mormons do not realize that the theology of Mormonism is contradictory to Christianity and collapses in the light of honest evaluation. And that's why we're doing this. 2 John 7 through 10, many deceivers have gone out into the world. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teachings of Christ does not have God. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your home or welcome him. 2 John 7 through 10. Be cautious. The Mormons readily acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and that he is God. Yet, they have perverted the true teachings of Christ by teaching he is only one among a multitude of gods. And he came into existence by sex. A little different than Christianity. 2 John 7 through 10 is not a license for being rude or, in, or inhospitable. Rather, it's a warning not to accept them into your lives in an authoritative position as an apostle or evangelist. They're not Christian. Do not place them in a superior or equal role with Christian authority. They are not Christian. This word house, O-I-K-I-A in the Greek, it means a residence either literally or figuratively. It implies the domestic affairs of the family. So as Christians, we are to show the love of Christ to the lost, have a desire to lead him to the Lord, but we are to do it in a wise way that will not give them an authoritative voice into our lives or to compromise our families. We can be friends, but we don't let them come in and teach their doctrines as an authority. You must rebut, you must convince them the error of their ways. Now, if you don't plan to do that, stay away from it. What is the main heresy of Mormonism? The main one is found in their teachings about the evolution of God. We've covered this. They teach the concept as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. From almost the very beginning of their movement, this heretical teaching developed. Joseph Smith Jr. taught that God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man. Brigham Young formulated the Adam-God doctrine in which he taught that Adam is our father and our God. He was the first man on earth and its framer and maker. He is the help of the brethren brought into its existence. Apostle Ors Orson Hyde taught the Mormons to remember that God and our Heavenly Father was perhaps once a child and mortal like we ourselves and rose step by step in the scale of progress, in the school of advancement, has moved forward and overcome until he arrived at the point where he is now. The Bible teaches us that God does not change. He does not evolve. He does not advance. He is not promoted. I am the Lord. I do not change. Malachi 3.6 Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalms 92. That's 902. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. The Bible teaches us that God is not a man. 
For I am God and not a man, the Holy One. Hosea 11.9. God is not a man. Numbers 23.19. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Isaiah 43.10. The Bible teaches us that there is only one God. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other God, no other rock. I know not one. Isaiah 44, 6 and 8. The Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other God. Deuteronomy 4, 35. What are their sacred books? The Book of Mormon. This is supposedly an account of the original inhabitants of America to whom Christ appeared after his resurrection. Smith claimed he translated it from the golden plates shown him by the angel Moroni. However, Smith's shady character and contradictory statements lead more to the conclusion that he originally produced his scheme for money and power that got swept up in the delusion of being a prophet of God. This was a shady character, the founder, the leader of the Mormon church. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12. It shows how God sends strong delusion to those who do not receive the love of the truth. There are major problems with the accuracy of this supposed most correct of any book on earth since it's undergone almost 4,000 changes trying to cover up chronological, historical, and contradictory problems. It has received criticism from archaeologists and historians since its inception, since it began. It's been criticized. Who actually authored this book has long been debated. It is possibly a fabrication that Smith wove together from other sources, such as Ethan's Smith's view of the Hebrews or the ten tribes of Israel in America, 1823. Solomon Spaulding's manuscript found, 1812. Thomas Thorogood's Jews in America, 1650, and certain popular books of that era. While there is no solid proof of this, there are many resemblances that appear to be beyond mere coincidence. Also, there's rumors of theft and plagiarism that leaves one wondering. It is amazing that Mormons sometimes think that Joseph Smith Jr., came up with a new revelation from God regarding the ancestry of the Native Americans. However, the popular theory was already well-developed by his time. The theory would eventually be proven inaccurate by historians and archaeologists. But not until after Smith had fabricated various parts of the people's writings on a theory and made it into a religion. Fawn Brody wrote a biography on Smith entitled No Man Knows My History. It's a classic and probably the most accurate biography ever written on the life of Joseph Smith. She had this to say about Mormonism and its book. <clears throat> the moving power of Mormonism was a fable, a lie. And that few converts stopped to question, for it meaning seemed profound and its inspiration was contagious. Doctrines and Covenants. Now we're talking about, we're looking at again the major sacred books of Mormonism, doctrines and covenants. 
This book records 136 supposed revelations given mostly to Joseph Smith, Jr., with a few additions by presidents of the Latter-day Saints. As in the Book of Mormon, there have been thousands of changes. Some of these have been major changes of reconstruction in order to clear up contradiction between the sacred books. You know, we've never had to rewrite the Bible. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10-12 They perish because they have refused to love the truth, and so shall be saved. For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion, so they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. The Pearl of Great Price, another Mormon book. This contains three major books called Moses, Abraham, and Joseph Smith. In this book, Smith elevates himself to the biblical position equal to Moses and Abraham. Unfortunately for Joseph, this book shows better than any of the others his great deception. In 1835, he purchased several mummies and papyri covered with hieroglyphics. Smith claimed that one contained the writings of Abraham while he was in Egypt, and that another was the work of Joseph, son of Jacob. He supposedly translated the, the short hieroglyphic message into the greatly expanded book of Abraham. 1967, the papyri that Smith used were rediscovered and no less than four expert Egyptianologist experts examined the papyri. They all found the same thing. The papyri were nothing more than the record of an Egyptian funeral ceremony honoring the Egyptian god, Osias. Only those who wished to preserve the fantasy that Joseph Smith was given ability to translate the book of Abraham still vainly tried to defend his work. Exposed as a total fraud, a lie. An Egyptian funeral. In actuality, the writings of the book of Abraham probably happened as a reaction to what Smith had read in another book. Fawn Brody shows that Smith was heavily influenced by the reading of The Philosophy of Future State by Thomas Dick. Dick's theory was that God organized the universe rather than created it out of nothing. He held the universe resolved around a common center, being the throne of God. Comparison between the two works show much similarity. Smith's imagination used Dick's theory to create the star of Kolob, K-O-L-O-B. We've covered that several times. Near the throne of God, around which everything is created. Seems that plagiarism was heavily involved in Joseph Smith, as well as quite an imagination. The King James Version of the Bible, the Mormons, basically pay lip service to the Bible as being the Word of God, insofar as it's translated correctly. Articles of Faith of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, Article 8. See if it's translated correctly. Problem, though, is they claim that the correct translation of the Bible is impossible. Because the Catholic Church has changed the original word of God. Mormons used to teach that the Catholic Church was the abominable church. Spoken of in 1 Nephi 13, 26-29. That corrupted the gospel of the Lamb. Although this may not be emphasized in their teachings today, it helped to undermine Mormonism's trust in the Bible. 
So today the Mormons put more trust in their three sacred books. Also, the Mormon religion has manipulated the doctrine of the Bible and added profuse revelations which have reduced the allegiance to the authority of the scriptures. Just like the Catholic Church, church tradition, the Pope is more important than the Bible. Revelation 22, 18 through 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. And if anyone takes away from the book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which is described in the book, Revelation 22, 18 through 19. You know, the word of God is so clear. Don't add or subtract from the word of God, lest you be damned. Yet these false prophets have no problem. Deuteronomy 4, 2. You shall not add unto the word which I commanded you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord. What were the basics of Joseph Smith's life? Well, Joseph Smith Jr. was a treasure seeker. A treasure seeker. He was born in Sharon, Vermont, December 23, 1805. Smith family moved to New York in 1816, looking to improve their financial crisis by searching for rumored hidden treasure in the surrounding hills. Hidden treasure. Joseph looked for gold and silver treasure through various witchcraft practices of glass-looking, incantations, occultic manipulations, divining with stakes and animal sacrifices. He was involved in witchcraft. He obviously was influenced by his father, Joseph Sr., who dabbed in mysticism, mysticism followed with after imaginary buried treasure and got in trouble with the state of Vermont once for attempting to mint and counterfeit money. This is their hero? It made sense for young Joseph to be caught up in occult activity and fraud since ancestry from his both mother, Lucy Mack, and his father, Joseph Smith, had a long history of it. Another major influence in Joseph Jr.'s life was fortune-telling and a major fortune teller, I should say, named Walters. Walters made money by pretending to know where buried treasure from ancient Indians was located. He deceived ignorant farmers by supposedly reading from an ancient Indian record, which was actually a Latin copy of Caesar's orations. He would mutter unintelligible jargon to hearers. He would then get money to tell them where the treasure was located. It is known that he first suggested to Joseph the idea of finding a book. Now we're just fool the people. They don't know their Bible. Well, that's true with a lot of people, isn't it? These occult do feel and fool a lot of people. That's why they have millions in their movement. The Bible tells us clearly how the Lord views those who practice such things. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. Let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Again, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. Furthermore, the Bible pronounces judgment against those who practice these things. Do not allow a sorcerer to live. Exodus twenty two eighteen. Good thing Joseph Smith wasn't held accountable to that. They'd have killed their hero. Society. Joseph was well known for his storytelling. 
According to his mother, he would entertain the family for hours describing the lifestyle of an ancient Indian inhabitants of western New York. Their governments, wars, dress, all in painstaking detail. And this was long before he ever suggested getting the details from a visitation of angels. Unfortunately, Joseph did not keep these stories in the realm of fiction. Eventually, he would twist these fictitious accounts together with his knowledge of Christianity and invent a history of the American Indian people who never really existed. The tall tale he would spin would become the foundation of the whole new religion. The Bible expresses a sad truth of what has happened to millions of people who followed Joseph Smith and his fictitious and erroneous tales. 2 Timothy 4.4 And they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Hey, if you're a Mormon, are you hearing this? You want to continue in your fables? Why don't you go to Disneyland? Joseph was a very controversial figure. On the other hand, he was a real troublemaker. Besides the obvious problems he had from a childhood full of spiritism, treasure-seeking, and wild imagination, he suffered 47 lawsuits, was arrested and convicted at least five times. Most of these for default on debts. Now, is this this hero? One arrest, however, was for ordering the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor, an anti-Mormon publication. Wow. Whoever criticizes, he wants to destroy that publication, publisher. 62 residents of New York, those who knew the Smith family, signed a complaint regarding the destitute moral character of Smith. The destitute moral character. And said he was addicted to vicious habits. The late Dr. Walton Martin, who considered a leading authoritarian on the subject of Mormonism, said, the amazing fact is that there exists no contemporary pro-Mormon statements from reliable and informed sources who knew the Smith family and Joseph intimately. Although Martin's statement obviously did not, not take into account positive comments about the Smith family by those who caught up in Joseph in his scheming, it does show the general public attitude towards Smith while he lived in New York. The attitude that, man, this guy is a crook, a shyster. Later on, there were serious accusations of adultery brought against Smith, one of which came in 1837 from Oliver Cowdery, one of the three witnesses to whom the angel supposedly showed the golden plates. Furthermore, Smith practiced secret polygamy and had a harem that possibly grew to more than 50 by the time of his death. Wow. 50 women. That's one per night per month. Just about two a night. Smith did not just marry a single woman like many Mormons believe. He invented a doctrine about eternal marriage of one man to many wives so he could be wed to other men's spouses. Sounded like Mohammed. He plagiarized portions of books for his own writings. Falsely claimed support of his accurate translations worked by a noted literary scholar of the time, Professor Charles Anthem of Columbia University. Professor Anthem strongly denied the claims and wrote that his support of the accuracy was perfectly false and that Smith's supposed translation of the Egyptian hieroglyphics was all a trick.
In his life, he became wealthy, helped found a bank which failed, became a mayor and self-appointed general and a candidate for the presidency of the United States. Why not? Barack Hussein Obama did it. He got away with it. The Bible warns us, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Joseph founded a whole new religion. According to Smith, he had a vision when he was 14 years old, living in New York, after walking in the woods in the spring of 1820. He asked the Lord, which Christian denomination he should join? A pillar of light. Supposedly the father and son appeared to Joseph and told him not to join any. Their creeds were all an abomination to the Lord. Later on, Joseph claimed that the angel Moroni, M-O-R-O-N-I, revealed to him the location of the hidden golden plates. They'd been hidden on the hill of Kumara, C-U-M-O-R-A-H, 1,400 years prior to Moroni. The last of the righteous Nephites in America who had served the Lord. These golden plates were written upon an ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic. He translated them by looking through the Urim and Thummim. A large pair of miraculous spectacles that were looked through made clear the understanding of what was written. These have been provided by the angel Moroni. He translated the plates between the years 1827 and 1830. He claims to have been visited by John the Baptist on May 15, 1829, and ordained into the, the Aaron, Aaron priesthood. I don't think the real Aaron would agree. Joseph Smith died in a shootout. In Illinois, the church grew large and strong, but there was much opposition. A local newspaper, the Nauvoo Expositor, adamantly opposed the cult with defaming information about Smith's true character. Smith who was then mayor, ordered the destruction of the press. Joseph and his brother, Hiram, were imprisoned in Illinois on June 27, 1844. An angry mob, approximately 200 men, stormed the jail, murdered Smith and his brother. Before he died, Smith emptied a smuggled revolver into the crowd, killing two men. Soon after this, the large majority of Mormons accepted Brigham Young as their new leader. He was then 43, he soon led about 14,000 Mormons from Illinois to the Valley of the Great Salt Lake in Utah. There he ruled the church for more than 30 years. I don't have time to go into the history of the effects of Freemasonry on the Mormonism, but Joseph was a member of Freemasonry, the Freemasons, and used many of the secret signs and rituals in his formation of Mormonism. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed tonight's teaching. Why did I do it? One, if there are Mormons watching, you need salvation. You're in a delusion. You followed a leader that, what a criminal background. We totally have different views, Christianity and Mormonism. I urge you to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can find peace. You can find salvation. You don't have to divorce your spouse and be married in the Mormon church. My phone number is 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248. My website is www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. You can give 
via my website, via the telephone. You can write a check, address it to WMI, send it to PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. That's World Ministries International, PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. You can do that via my website. We need to have another great awakening. We need to get into the stadiums, football, basketball, civic centers, get back to Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, moving out with power and authority to do what Jesus commanded us to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, bring salvation, make disciples of all nations. God bless you, Shannon. What a powerful expose tonight. That's amazing history. I did not know. And um, definitely everybody should share this with a friend. Get this information out. Also, be sure and tune in again tomorrow, same time. We got another great broadcast coming up. I want to encourage all to come on board and be a partner with World Ministries International. Participate and help promote the warning broadcast. You can give right there. Sign up for Eagles Saving Nations, as Dr. Hansen mentioned. And uh, Brother Hanson, uh, what an honor to be here with you all tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. God bless you, Shannon. God bless you, my friend. Love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.